Welcome to Marketing with Confidence. I'm your host, Marianne Amies. We're going to be talking all things digital and online marketing for business owners and marketing professionals. If you've been feeling overwhelmed by your digital marketing, be sure to listen along and you'll hear tips, interviews and more that will give you the confidence to create marketing you love. I'm really excited today to be joined by Jason Andrew, Director and Head of Growth at SBO Financial on the CEO Briefing Podcast. So hi, Jason. Hey, Marianne. Pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. Look, to kick off, tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to carve out your space as a business advisor. So my, I'm a child accountant by by training. Amazing. And I guess, yeah, so, and, and I guess our company does accounting. But yeah, I started uh, my, my career as a, an accountant working in, in accounting firms at some of the, the larger ones in Australia. Yeah. Um, and then in 2015, I decided to make the leap and start my own uh, kind of practice. Awesome. Uh, originally, it was just focused on bookkeeping. Um, yeah. But that has evolved since into uh, more CFO advisory and, and more recently taxes as well. Oh, fantastic. I um I started in accounting. I started as oh, an really? cadet. Yep. Wow. So my my subtle my subtle flexes. So I started as an accounting cadet and I did 18 months. I was in a second tier firm. Um and realized that I loved I did love the accounting work, but I really loved the newsletter and the social club and all these <laughs> <laughs> other yes. really sort of marketing-esque activities that they let me do. And and so in my second year of like B-Biz at UTS, and I had to choose my majors and I thought, I don't want to choose accounting. So I, um, yeah, d- deflected to, to marketing management, but I saw, you know, many of my friends went on to go through CPA and it's such a grueling, you know, a qualification, you know, you just kind of, you get your uni quals and you think you're there, but, you know, I take my hat off to people that complete CPA because it, it's full on. Yeah, it is. Most, most people, when they do finish their CA or CPA, they then look for another job. Basically, they just hang around. <laughs> Once they're done, they're like, I'm done with public practice, my firm life, and when they were work at a bigger company, and there's something... Yeah. Usually something that they're personally interested in as well, yeah. like a brand that they may align with yeah. as opposed to, you know, one of the corporate kind of mid-tier accounting firms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, awesome. So look, you know, one of the things I've been talking about on this podcast with different CEOs is I guess that big question of balance. So any insider tips from you, how you balance working on your business and working in your business? Yeah, so we've been at our business for oh, this is like an eighth year. Oh, yeah, eighth year now. So it's been wow. feels feels a lot longer than that. Um, but yeah, eighth year. And I guess when we started our company, or started our business, we our business partner and I, um, we we both had this. We both kind of wanted to build a business that we could not necessarily sell, but be able yeah. to uh, build it so that if we were, if we did get offered to to buy it, we we yeah. could sell it and we wouldn't. Be part of the furniture, if that makes yeah, sense. So, absolutely. Um, so, so we worked really hard to try to remove ourselves from from the operations and yeah. as, as a CEO within the business. So, uh, Vanessa uh, is, is a wonderful, um, been with us for 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 a long time. She's yeah. our current CEO, and so yeah. we recently got her in the business to kind of operate day to day. My role is still um, active within certain areas around the growth and yeah. the strategy and things, but. Um, Day to day, functionally, um, yeah, most of my time is spent on growing things and doing lovely, you know, growing fun podcasts like this. <laughs> which oh, is fantastic. Enjoy. No, that's awesome. I mean, look, it, it 
certainly when you're growing a business, you know, it is the biggest challenge and and obviously getting to where you are and being able to make it your sole focus to work on the business, you know, number one, so personally rewarding, you know, it's the strategy and the the planning and, and all that, but also the opportunities you can bring to the business by having that time focused on it is, is huge. It's also it's also very challenging to do. I think it's uh, particularly in services businesses, just mm-hmm. like just like yourself. I mean, resonate resonate with this. I think when when you're within the services business, for most services business that start from scratch, um, you know, you're you're the business, right? Like yeah. everything is on you. Yeah, you do all the pay. You you do the, the, the work for your clients, and then you have to have to um, you know, employ people and do all the marketing for your own business. And, yeah. and it's easy for, for you to just focus on doing client work because that's yeah. the stuff that pays the bills. Um, and yeah, so then uh, knowing when you can afford to hire someone yeah. to help you and support you is a really tricky, it's a really mm. tricky hard thing to do. And I think, um, yeah, it's not easy. Uh, and, and I guess it's, you don't need to do that either. Like I think a lot of people are happy and very comfortable just saying, Oh, like I love doing, client-focused yeah. work and I love to yeah. do that. I'm happy to do that for forever and that, that's totally yeah. cool as well. So I think it really depends on what, what type of business you want to build and, and yeah. Yeah, just be clear about that from the beginning. Yeah, totally. I think I've sort of spoken about that before. You know, you can kind of hold as a solo business owner or you can grow or you can, you know, productize a service yeah. business if it's possible. And I, I think that the the challenge and certainly for someone like myself is letting go of task oriented behavior you know uh, when you grow your business doing the work the client work it's really hard to step away from that and do strategic work that doesn't have immediate value and that someone's not waiting on you to deliver like <laughs> I always yeah. think, you know, if I could be my own client, I could achieve great things for myself. But we, you know, you you often put off the business development piece for client work and and that satisfaction of that work as well. It's so true. I think that um Seth Godin, who is a kind of a marketing love him, kind of yeah. god that I idolize. Uh, I think he's <laughs> a guy that is just kind of the tried and true principles of foundational marketing, right? Like, yeah. Just, but he he talks about hard work versus long work, and yeah. I think. Um, you know, every everyone you speak to is like, oh, how's David? Like, oh, I'm so busy, busy. Mm-hmm. Everyone's busy, right? And um, how how Seth defines it is long work is the the work like doing paid work to, to clients. Yeah, you yeah. Kind of hours in, hours out. Yeah, you, you have a charge out rate per hour. You, yeah, like the money, like revenue. You do billable hours, etc. Uh, versus hard work is hard work is the type of work that there is no immediate payoff. Yeah, you yeah. do. You're kind of like doing free work. You're doing strategic yeah. stuff. You might be building. Um, you know, doing a podcast just like yeah. this you might be doing some marketing for your own business which again you're not getting paid for um you know you know you, you can't even issue an invoice for this uh, yeah. podcast but yeah. over time you start to build an asset and then that's what you're left with which hopefully um over time will actually generate yeah. and, and start to yield something some financial return over over a period so um, yeah that's how he defines it I always think about that because it's, it's a really uh great way to articulate the yeah. types of work that a CEO does yeah, no, I, I I like that. I like that idea. I love Seth Godin, but um, yeah, I, I funnily enough haven't heard that before. So yeah, it's a really good good way to put it. Thank you for sharing it. Um, what about morning habits? Do you have morning habits that set your day up for success? 
Uh, well, you, you picked us. This is the, the the second week of the new year, so my <laughs> habits, everyone's habits are pretty good this time of year, I think, as they set yeah, the resolutions. <laughs> uh, but I try to. I'm a, I'm always being an early riser, uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'm usually up at four thirty oh, uh, wow. in the morning. I do it, tra- yeah, most days of the week at, at the gym wow. up until kind of six, and then do the have breakfast with the family, get a, yeah. a young family, and then. Uh, daycare drop off and then at my office at yeah. my desk at seven thirty eight. So we we work from home, which is great. So I don't have to travel anywhere or commute. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that's typically the routine for for work days. In my Fantastic. I hear wonderful things about getting up early. I just can't get on board. <laughs> I think there's the two people who like night owls and like early risers. I, I'm definitely not a night owl. Like, uh, I'm like I, I I'm in bed by like eight thirty most nights. Like I'm just yeah. Like, <laughs> I. I have a reputation amongst friends. Like, I am I mean, I don't ever get up particularly late, like, you know, maybe 7 o'clock. Um, and so I get this reputation of, you know, you must be a night owl. And I say, no, 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 I like to go to bed early and I like to, <laughs> I like, to like, no, no, I like to take it from both. I just like sleep. I, and I yeah, think, perfect. you know, when you juggle so much, I actually think I just, I just need the sleep. You know, I, I really value the sleep and, and need the sleep to face what I face in a day. But no, I'm not a night owl either. <laughs> I love I'm a sleeper. I love <laughs> so look, I'm going to get into some of the, the nitty gritty questions with you now. Um, you've got such a wealth of knowledge that is so valuable. And and I know, um, you know, things that people shy away from because it's it's not their day-to-day. It's not what they're experts in. Um, so yeah, want to hit you with the first question around, you know, we all know the kind of standard reports that we need to keep an eye on, but what do you think the area is that most CEOs overlook when they're assessing financial performance? Yeah, it's a good question. I think when you think about what most CEOs do currently look at, or even just open that up to small business owners, particularly, um, you know, and I I have have this every morning where they do, you open up your net bank and you look at how much cash you have, right? Like that's how does that balance feel today? Yeah, yeah, the highs and lows are cool. If it it looks a bit healthy, it's like, yeah, cool, I'm in a good position, right? You feel good there. So um, that's how I will say, I was. 90% 90% of small business owners run their run their yeah. accounting or their finances yeah, looking wow. at how much cash I have in the bank, right? And yeah. yeah, that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with looking, at least yeah. looking at how much cash you got, that's important. But I think the risk with that is, or the issue that I have with that is that having cash in your bank is necessarily not an indicator of whether you have a good or a healthy business or a performing yeah. business, right? It just yeah. simply states how much you have. Um, and because the reason is that that money in your bank account uh could be your taxes. You might have a yeah. Baz that's going around the corner. That could be your GST. Could be wages that then you'd be paid next yeah. or tomorrow or next week. So not often, not often a, a good indicator of of your financial performance. So yeah. when we talk about businesses and, and business owners and CEOs about what they should be looking at in their finances, I think there's like kind of three basics they should be looking at. Yeah. Uh, first one's obviously revenue. Like you know, what are my sales yeah. uh, compared to? Um, my my break even point, like you know, how yeah. many how many sales do I need every month to make sure I'm at least not losing money or not making yeah, money, but like sure. to be a business. Um, the next one is their gross profit. So gross profit um, is your calculated your revenue less all of your direct costs. Uh, yeah. when, I, when I mean direct costs, any anything any expenses that are, are attributed to selling your product, um, that's yeah. a direct cost. So if you're selling, if you're an e-commerce business and you're selling widgets. Um, you know, the, the cost of the, the cost of the widget, yeah. um, the postage, 
the merchant fee attached to that widget, all those things are cost yeah. of sales. Um, yeah. So that, that's the second really important metric. And then the third one is obviously your, your net profit. Um, yeah. So that's just, just everything at the bottom. So it's your gross profit, less all the other expenses in your business, like your you know, wages and rent and, yeah. and things. Uh, so there, that's kind of table stakes. Like, yeah, know, essentially those things are your, is your profit loss. So, yeah, um, that's it's a profit loss, uh, profit loss uh, report. And then the other part of it is what, again, what most people don't look at is probably your cash flow. So, yeah. in in most accounting systems like Zero or QuickBooks yeah. or MYOB, you can actually generate cash flow reports out of those systems. And yeah. I find that a lot of small business owners don't look at those reports. They just yeah. Um, the difference there is that you could be profitable on paper. But you may not have any cash because it could be all tied up in your cash receivable, like people yeah. owe money, or it could be tied up in your inventory, yeah, um, and seen in your warehouse. So that's another deception with accounting is like uh, people often just look at their cash at bank because they yeah. think, well, my PL never actually my, my profit never actually matches my bank account. Yes. And the reason for that is because a lot of it's tied up in the balance sheet. And so I'm um, looking at your cash flow is, a, is again a, a very good indicator to to look at where. Um, how your business is performing. Yeah. I mean, coming from my very brief time in accounting, I I actually love my numbers and I think I'm a bit different, you know, to other marketing agency owners in that uh, respect. But I, I I do check my bank balance often, maybe in the mornings, maybe exactly. <laughs> I also love to reconcile my zero every day. I probably Perfect. shouldn't even still do my zero, but I just take such great pleasure in yeah. doing my zero. I like, I just, I love it. And I do look at my profit and loss, you know, here and there. I have never pulled up the, you know, the cash flow statement ever, you know, and and I like, I, I imagine so many others. I'm very good at, you know, I, I have a good handle on what expenses we have coming up. And I, you know, I put, I, I read profit first years ago. So I have yeah, my buckets great. and, you know, which I love, I loved that system. It really spoke to me, but yeah, like cash flow in terms of, you know, when next quarter rolls around and we have those obligations, will we have a, a week of being below cash or, you know, I've never, never looked at that. And I think it's, as business owners, yeah, we go to those go-tos, those those tick, you know, tick the box. But it's it's things like understanding that cash flow. And obviously, if you're going to be growing your business and making big financial decisions, to your point, it might not be today that it's a problem. You know, your revenue or your net profit might look like you can cover it. But obviously, what about next month, the next month, the next month? So I think that's such a good point. Um, the importance of of understanding the, the cash flow. I mean, more so obviously. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, in a product business and a service business in some ways. Yeah. Um, but obviously for everybody, you know, having that projection and being able to see, you know, that there's a hole in X many months is, you know, is critical to forward planning. Oh, absolutely. I think I think, yeah, your point about product versus a service business is 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 actually a really good one. So I think in service businesses, uh, particularly if you've got recurring services, mm. um, you know, you're in retainers, you, you kind of yeah. instinctively know, um, you know, what, what your revenue is probably going to yeah. look like. You kind of, you, you know, your wages because. Yeah, you know, it's all a bit done. flat. <laughs> yeah, it's all flat. It's very like steady. And so you kind yes. of know that. And, you, and most people wouldn't hire new staff in advance of new revenue, right? So you kind yeah. of know what your, your profit should be every month where in products, like if yeah. you're in e-commerce, 
like every day is like you make money or lose money, right? Every day. Yeah, it's like, correct. And so a lot more pressure. And, and I think particularly in, yeah, product-based businesses, you really need to nail your margins every single day and, yeah. and, and know your break-even point. Um, yeah. As I alluded to before. Oh, awesome. I am sure we've already done this as we've spoken, but obviously jargon and your <laughs> industry, my industry is the same. Um, jargon is huge. And then <laughs> we talk in our acronyms, you know, all the time and we forget that other people don't know them. So um, when you and I were chatting about you coming on this podcast, you threw some acronyms at me. I'd love you to explain them uh, to people. So um, you threw CAC, CLV, AOV. So what does it all mean and why do CEOs need to get across it? Yeah, these are um, so a lot of people ask. Well, it's actually a marketing question as well. Yeah, so a good question. A question that we get asked a lot as as finance slash accounts people. I'm sure you get asked a lot as, yeah. as, as marketing people. It's like first question is like, how much can I spend on marketing? Right? It's like, how much should I budget for this thing? Right? And you know, most people are like, oh, I don't know. Like, who knows? Like, if it's a, it's hard to say, right? And like, I think most people will just kind of say, oh, well, I'll ask their mates. It's like, hey. Yeah. I, you're a business like me. How much do you guys spend yeah, on ads or how much do you spend on XYZ? And so the, the real way to help set a budget of how much users pay on, you can spend on, we'll call it paid acquisition, which is yeah. like advertising, um, is really first understanding what is what is a customer worth to you? That's the yeah. first question. So I think, um, so we do that to calculate the, the value of a customer. You do that through a calculation called customer lifetime value. Yeah. And that's the first one, the CLV or LTV. A lifetime value or CLV. Again, acronyms are interchangeable. Yes, like of course. <laughs> LTV <laughs> or CLV, they're the same thing, <laughs> customer lifetime value. And yeah. what you're trying to do there is put a financial value on your customer, right? Mm-hmm. So how much is a customer worth to you over their journey with your business? And so there are, again, looking at different acronyms, there's actually multiple ways on the internet of how to calculate this. Yeah. But this is the tried and true way um, to, to do it is you look at your gross profit that yeah. this customer brings to you. So it's a gross profit um, per call it per month multiplied by how many, how the time length that they're expected to be with you um, yeah. um, as, a, as a customer. So for example, if um, we're talking about my business, um, SBA yeah. or an accounting firm, say if a customer pays me $10,000 a year in gross profit. So yeah. let's just say that the revenue, they actually pay us in $10,000, $20,000 around them of revenue. I pay my staff ten thousand yeah. dollars of costs to service that account, so I've got ten thousand dollars left of gross profit. If that customer, if my average tenure, my average um, customer tenure with with my company is called three years, yeah, um, I will say then, okay, well, it's ten thousand dollars a year times three, so a customer is worth thirty thousand dollars to me Understand. over their lifetime value. Right? Yeah, so that, that's kind of how we, that's what CLV or LTV is. Right? Yeah. So then we then work out, well, okay, cool. If a customer is worth to me thirty thousand dollars, how much? can I budget to spend to acquire or, or find a customer? Like that, yeah. Right. And there's a few ways on, and then there's a ratio. A lot of, if you're high growth, if you're a high growth business, you're looking to grow really, really quickly. Yeah. Empirically, um, they say that you can afford to spend one third of that lifetime value on yeah. paid acquisition. Or So yeah. that would say that if my customer is worth $30,000, I can afford to spend $10,000 in marketing, advertising, yeah. whatever, whatever activity to acquire that customer. Um, and that's what we call that that $10,000 is called a customer acquisition cost. So that's yeah. what the CAC, uh, so that's CAC. And so when you hear marketers or just like, you know, investors or whatever mention this about CAC, 
that's essentially what that is. It's yeah. what is the cost to acquire a customer, CAC. Yeah. Um, and so what that CAC comprises of is essentially every component of expense that you're spending yeah. to to win that customer. So that includes advertising, um, uh, it could be any brand marketing you're doing, yeah. um, even the salesperson, if you've got a higher yeah. sales team to, to win yeah. that person, that a part of the chunk of their commission or wage should actually be built into that CAC number. Yeah. Um, so that's the other component of CAC. Um, yeah. And then AOV is the, is the last one, which, um, you know, what's another average? So that stands for average order value. Yeah. Um, that is essentially what is the average revenue um, or order, yeah, average order of revenue that a customer is, is paying me each transaction. Yeah. Uh, so again, back to my accounting firm example, if someone's paying me $1,000 a month, AOV is $1,000. Uh, yeah. Essentially. Yeah. 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 Awesome. I I like that. And and as you said, there's lots of different formulas. I like that with CLV or that customer lifetime value that you're valuing that at gross and not at revenue. And yeah. I think that, you know, I mean, we know there's just so many people that see revenue and don't see everything that comes out when we run Facebook ads or Google ads. Like I'm so conscious of that, I guess, the margin, you know, it's like, yes, you know, yes, we returned you two times your ad spend. That's not enough, you know. If yeah. not, and like if it's not at least three times your ad spend and that's probably not even taking into account our costs yet, you know, yeah. it's not it's not a great campaign. And, and I think, you know, people sort of don't always understand that, Revenue is wonderful, but you don't actually end up banking the revenue. You know, you, you don't end up at the at the end of the day with the revenue. And I think, yeah, thinking about your customer lifetime value at the gross is so, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's why you do what you do, but it's so intelligent because you're already, you know, factoring what they're really worth to you, not just the the pretty figure that you could kind of go with and plan around and feel really great about. You know, but yeah. Um, it's a hundred percent right. It's actually a, a common misconception that we see with um, with business owners because yeah. everyone looks at it from a revenue perspective. But as as you said, it's it's, it's all about like a, one business has completely different margins to another. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think where it got lost in in kind of just everyday uh, kind of jargon and the calculation interpretation of the metric was these these kind of metrics were I would say invented or coined by a lot of like Silicon Valley tech mm. entrepreneurs and and you know software yeah. investors and where if you're looking at software businesses software or subscription SaaS or so, mm. so software as a service subscription uh, software yeah. businesses have very high gross profit margins you know yeah. somewhere we see 80 90 percent right because um you know they've already built the product they're just kind of selling correct them, yeah you know, and there's not the manpower involved with yeah yeah, exactly right. So in that instance, you know, their their gross margins are very similar to the revenue. So they just yeah. like, oh, it's just it's just revenue as a, as a heuristic. But um, then try and translate that kind of the- that theory into other businesses like yeah. e-commerce, where you're actually selling physical product and widgets uh, that yeah. do cost money at yeah. a lot lower margins, at maybe forty or fifty percent. Yeah, it makes a huge difference, right? Yeah, um, and I think that's where it got lost somewhere in translation, um, yeah. and that's why I say it's really 
be careful when you are searching the internet for how to calculate these things. Yeah, totally. Well, it's confusing because there's always like five or six different ways to calculate it. And they're all very, it will give you very different Very outcomes. different results. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's concerning, but uh, it is what it is. And so, yeah, to your point, like the whole ROAS metric as well. Yeah. Um, that, that is, that ROAS number is actually contextual to 90% the margins of, of yeah. the business that you're working with. Yeah, totally. Totally. No, that's fantastic. Oh, thank you. So I think you've, you obviously have quite a talent for breaking down those complex, I guess, scenarios, you know, it's not, it's not stuff that most business owners are, you know, comfortable with. And, and, and I think I've, you know, done work with people in your business and I think they do an amazing job of making it really easy to understand the more complex areas of the business and to build your confidence in your planning and and forecasting and and understanding how your business actually is performing versus yeah that that net bank balance that you get to see every morning. <laughs> so important though the, the the bank balance still uh, is yeah really important well, I mean, point. I still totally, do it as well. Though. And that's that's <laughs> part of the you know that's part of that profit first thing as well yeah. because. If you, you know, if you have all the money in there, you think that you're flying high and you start to make silly decisions. You know, some people, obviously not everybody, but, you know, um, if you have a, you know, if you have a realistic balance or if you've, if you've moved things away that are rainy day funds or are other funds and you're looking at a small, you, you don't go, oh man, we should buy this. We should go on this, you know, retreat. We should do that. So yeah. I think it's, um yeah, it's a fantastic marker if you're managing it properly as well for sure well thank you so much for your time today it's been such a great chat and i think um it's going to be really beneficial to everybody that listens to it thank you it's it's been a blast thanks marianne hey thanks for listening to another episode if you don't want to miss one make sure you subscribe to the show in your podcast app and if you love it Be sure to share it with friends and colleagues who you think could benefit from increasing their digital marketing confidence. Want more? Head to marianneamies.com to find out how you can work with me directly, to reach out to have me speak at your event, or to grab yourself some free resources.